This is Glistening Particles, and I'm Jane, your host. I like to hear inspiring stories for people that I barely know and share them with you, and that's what we do here. I never know how it's going to go. I never know what they're going to say, but it's always a good story. Hey, listeners. You know how much I love this thing called podcasting, right? I might have said it one or 500 times on the show. Well, I found a new way to basically share this passion with others, and that's through podcast consulting. Do you have an idea for a podcast you're looking to get off the ground? Well, definitely get in touch because I would love to work with you to take your idea to launch and let you express yourself out in this world we call podcasting. So check it out at glisteningparticlespodcasting.com. In this episode, I'm talking with Cooper, and this guy is a super fast skateboarder. I mean fast, like faster than I drive down the highway, down curvier curves than I go around at car speeds, and he does it all over the world, and especially lately in California. It was especially fun when he said yes. The reason he said yes to talk to me was because He always talks to boarders, and it's fun to talk to somebody who doesn't know anything about it, and that would be me. And with that, here's Cooper. Hey, Cooper. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me. All right. I'm so, I'm really, really, really excited because we, this, this is a new for me where we scheduled it on the fly, and I'm especially curious about the time that you picked, so we'll talk about that in a minute, but just to kind of set the stage. Um, I'm in Wisconsin. It's cold as heck already in October. You're in my favorite place in the world, which is Northern California, and actually in the woods. In fact, can you take a picture of it and send it to me so we can use that in the show? <laughs> Definitely. There's okay. some really good light right now. Oh. It looks like I'm in Star Wars, like <gasps> even in Endor. Perfect. Oh, my gosh. It's so beautiful. Excited. Yeah, even do a selfie. Like, like just do a little photo shoot. <laughs> <laughs> couple of the woods, a little selfie. We'll include that in the show notes, and I'll be really jealous, even more jealous than I am now. So um, you are in Santa Cruz going to college, and you got out of class and walked into the woods so we could talk. Like, what kind of a world do we live in that that's what we can do? A beautiful right. world, I mean, interconnected amazing. through technology, and we have the freedom and ability to communicate what we love to do to each other. <laughs> And I already beautiful. like you so much that you could say that yeah. on the fly like that. <laughs> I knew I knew by the way that you ride a longboard. It's called a longboard, right? Correct. Okay. Well, you can call it whatever you'd like. I like to call it a skateboard because okay. it's got four wheels and it's made out of wood. Okay. But uh, I guess colloquially, you could refer to it as a longboard. <laughs> And really, people, we just literally started talking 10, well, actually, it's 5.18. So we started talking um, 11 minutes ago because you wanted to meet at 3.07 Pacific time. Tell me about that. On the dot. (laughs) Yeah, I'm very particular with time. Um, um, 
quite the punctual person. And ever since I was a kid, I don't know, I would always uh, think about how long it would take me to ride my bike home. And I'd be like, oh, mom, I'll be back at like 323. Or, <laughs> and I, I knew I was getting out of class at 305. Sometimes the teacher goes over a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I gave one extra minute of leeway and then one minute for me to walk out of the classroom and answer the Skype call. So. I am so impressed by that. I, like, I don't know if you know how much of a turn on it is to most women when a guy is actually on time. And hopefully it was okay to say. I didn't mean it that way because you're like half my age. But the point is, <laughs> great trait to have for the ladies. <laughs> oh, yeah, most definitely. And it really bothers me because a lot of my friends um, do not have this uh, punctuality. And some yeah. people just don't think about time. And it really bugs me. <laughs> You know, because I used to we be have a limited time. amount. Yeah, I used to be on time a lot. And then I had kids and then everything went crazy and I'm getting better at it. But you're right. Like time is really our most valuable commodity. Mm-hmm. Next to air. Like if we didn't have air, that would be bad. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's uh, like when I find myself, um, you know, over, over thumbing through the Instagram going, yep, I'm just like, it's a blur now. I'm like, yeah, that was just like five minutes that I can't get back, that nothing happened. You know, exactly. yeah, so I, I totally agree with you. So I love your punctuality. So when I said we'll get done around 45 to 55 minutes, did you kind of cringe and go, wait, 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 I need to know. <laughs> Absolutely not. Okay. Um, all I have to do is write a paper today, but really? it's going to be a, a really fun paper to write. So. What's it going to be about? Um, I'm thinking a history of arts and visual culture class. It's like activism in the 1960s. So oh. I have to choose a, pretty much a time period and um, basically a submersive, subversive movement, identify what they used to do to, for example, I'm choosing third world cinema in Latin America. And there's lots of performative art um, used to combat colonialism and um, injustices in South America. what year are you in? I'm going to be a junior. Well, I am a junior right now. That's a lot of big words and a lot of knowledge for a junior. Is this something you've been interested in for a long time? Um, I've always liked art history. Okay. Um, but honestly, I'm going to school for archaeology and like physical anthropology. And I had mm-hmm. to take another course outside of my specialty. And I've always had a liking for art history, but have always studied like Renaissance art. So it's mm-hmm. cool to study contemporary art that has... Uh, more of a motive. Hmm. And that motive is fighting the system, whether it be capitalism, racism, uh, sexism. So will you share your paper with me when you're done? Sure. I would love to read it. Okay. Um, It's honestly not going to be that good. It'll be pretty good (laughs) because I took this class pass fail. Oh, gotcha. Okay. I have to write another analytical paper for my anthropology class. Ah. That'll probably be a lot better, but it's not going to be as interesting because it's analytical. But I will send you this paper because I believe you will okay. find it interesting. Well, and I have a friend in, in South America who would find it, I think, really interesting. So I want to share it with him, too. And cool. Um, actually, I really wish I would have gone to school for anthropology because of my, like I told you before we started, insatiable curiosity of people. I mm-hmm. wish that would have been the direction I would have gone. But I went into IT. It was a bad choice. But it got me here, so it's okay. It's more applicable, though. IT. We live in an IT world. We right. don't. Anthropology kind of bugs me because it's too wishy-washy and yeah. broad. And the more I actually study it now, the more I kind of uh, 
dislike because I have a very, uh, I don't know, my brain, the way I look at things is in a way of like function and formality. And there's not much of that in modern mm. anthropology. They try to be all encompassing. But like, I just like to look at something and see how it works. And I know how it works uh-huh. through my experiences. So, so it's just like, yeah. yeah, it's just changing the way I think and I'm not used to it. That's good though, because it's so weird. Okay. Like this is what's the weirdest thing and my favorite thing and doing these podcasts with people I've never met. So before you said that, back when you said about art history and it's just an elective class because you're studying anthropology and one other thing that I already forgot, two things, right? Anthropology and. Oh yeah. I'm just like kind of torn between anthropology, uh, physical anthropology and archaeology. I haven't declared my major yet, but it's going to be one of those three. So back when you said that. I, the, this thought came straight into my head, which was, I would love to see a brain scan of you, like see your brain uh, lit up on a thing, you know, where they do brain scans. Like I'm <laughs> hoping someday that like I have an iPhone next to me right now as I have that, that I will have a portable brain scanner because people's brains fascinate me. Like I want to scan my own brain all day long and I just haven't, I don't have that equipment. So I never That'd get to do it. Well, seriously. You'll probably find some, uh, some dark <laughs> patches because I've had quite a few concussions. Oh, I probably have <laughs> some of that too. Yeah. I haven't had that Not too. good for your brain. <laughs> but you can fix those, you know, you know that, right? They found ways to, there's this guy doing this thing in California actually to fix those, those spots. So we can talk about that offline. I, cause I can't think of his name right now. Interesting. I probably have a book by him on my bookshelf. But anyway, um, that's that's the dark spot of my brain, remembering people's names and books, book titles right there. <laughs> so anyway, I would love to see your brain because when you think about all these different tracks you're going on, it's probably really amazing. The fact that you're fun- – you think functionally, yet like you would do a sport like skateboarding to the extreme level that you do it. So why don't we tell people what that's about because – I only I know right now, and you know, but nobody else does. So, talk about uh, that. Well, so it, to me, it means something entirely different than what it means to you. Okay. Because I've been doing it for like nine years now. Nine years. But it's also it's also been a huge progression. Like when I started nine years ago, I was just pushing down the street, mm-hmm. um, pretty much, mm-hmm. you know, just skating around town, using it to travel. Um, an occupation of time and like keeping track of it. Yeah, uh-huh. exactly. And, um, you know, it was just a fun way to get around. But then after years and years of watching videos and getting inspired from people on the internet, I began to progress slowly. And if I had, was, had the ability to show myself a video that I made within the last three years to my, I don't know, 14 through 16 year old self, I probably wouldn't believe it because <laughs> there's no way I'd be able to see or imagine that progression being even possible in my lifetime. Um, given my circumstances of living on the East Coast with no great big hills and uh, you can't skate all year round because it snows. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's been a really long journey and your attitude changes toward it the more you know. Like I used to be, I used to be way more excited about it, you know? I still am obviously excited, but you become jaded uh, with everything as you grow older and you get more used to it. And then you realize that it's a lot smaller than you would ever imagined and that the industry is tiny and the accomplishments you do are still important to you, but Mm -hmm. in the whole grand scheme of the world, they're pretty insignificant. And um, basically 
for someone to see a video of me skate now, they mm-hmm. would have no idea about my whole journey and my progression to becoming where I am. They just, it's almost like shock factor. They just like can't believe that there's someone on a skateboard going down a hill that quickly because they take their own perception of skateboarding, which is it's a toy. Mm-hmm. And maybe they've tried to skateboard once before, but hit a rock and fell super hard. Right. So everyone takes that and applies it to me if they see a video of me. Basically, the most common thing people comment when videos go viral mm-hmm. would be, oh, if he hit one rock, he'd be so dead. And then the second most popular comment would be, <laughs> um, how does he stop? And then... Yeah, we're going to talk so, about those things, right? You're going to talk about those things. I sure, hope. yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Um, so it's just like from an outside perspective, it looks like an absolutely ludicrous sport and I'm trying to kill myself and... A lot of people have strong opinions about it. Um, but then also people love it and say that it's super inspiring and they can't believe this is real and they're curious as to how we film it and people, yeah. Okay, so, so I like, want to know all those things. I want to know it all. And But can I tell you my perspective from where I see them watching you? Sure. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so two things from what you said right there. First of all, you know, you talked about going back to your 14-year-old self and showing him the video. And then you said, um, in the big scheme of the world, you're not doing anything that significant. There's a piece in there, though, that's really, really, really juicy and good, which is what you did to get from A to B mm-hmm. is, is, is uh, a great lesson. Like that same methodology. Oh, I used the thing that has to do with functional. See, I'm already on your brave brain wavelength. So you could use that in anything. Like I'm trying to learn how to throw a ball without like whacking it on the ground every time because I never learned that. And um, <laughs> and that same, I mean, some of those same techniques or that same philosophy or that same methodology could be applied to learning anything and mastering it because you basically mastered something. Yes. And, right. So okay. So how? Tell us about those things, how you answer those questions on your on your Instagram. Like, hey, he's going to, if he hits a rock, he'll die. I bet you've hit a rock before, right? Definitely. Um, it honestly depends on what kind of rock it is, most importantly. Mm. In California, we have lots of sandstone. Mm-hmm. So these things, the there's landslides and these things that look like rocks fall into the road. Mm-hmm. But if you're going above 20 miles an hour and you smash into one of them, it'll just explode into cloud of dust ah. so most of the rocks on the road you could just truck through okay um and then also like harder rocks like granite or quartz if you're going fast enough it's not really going to make a difference and as long as the rock isn't bigger than your fist you okay. probably won't have an issue but then if the rock is that big you'll probably see it coming and you'll avoid it altogether how fast and are you going how fast are you going down those hills usually it depends um there's certain types of skating you can do to Mm -hmm. achieve different types of speed it also really depends on the hill Mm -hmm. the steeper the hill and the straighter it is Mm -hmm. um, the faster you can go the steeper it is but more turny it is you you can't just go full speed you have to uh basically the same way you you've probably driven down a steep road in a car Mm -hmm. and um you know sometimes you have to click the car into low gear Mm -hmm. and you have to use the brakes because if you try to go full speed through a turn, you'll just lose traction, flip your car over, go off a cliff. Right. Um, we basically, the primary form of slowing down is we drift and slide the board. And um, 
So like my kind favorite, of slide-ish to the side, you mean? Like kind of like Yeah, that? basically okay. you kick the board. Like I don't know if you've ever seen a car drift before. And like, uh, yeah, like my son does that on his motorcycle, I think. Yeah, yeah. Okay. some people do it on motorcycles too. But basically um, a hill can be anywhere from five miles per hour. And my friends in Canada went 91 miles an hour. Oh my gosh. For the world record. Oh my but, gosh. But five mile an hour skating is so different than 91 mile an hour skating because at 91 mile an hour skating, you can only go straight Um, and you have to maintain a super aerodynamic position. You also have to be wearing like a latex suit to cut away at the wind resistance. Also helps if you have an aerodynamic helmet, Mm. but that's like probably the peak. I don't want to skate more than 15 minutes at one time. Um, and then sometimes there's roads that I like that are less than a minute long that just have a couple really fun corners. And those hills you usually just walk back up, you know, your mm-hmm. session with your friends. But, uh, yeah, there's all different types of hills. And then there's even passes out in Switzerland and the Alps that are like 30, 40 minutes long. How can you, you do that, though, without, like, just cramping up? You can just, like, slide to a stop, you know, dip your face in a waterfall oh, to have okay. a smoke break. <laughs> Have a beer. So you don't actually do it keep nonstop, skating. continuously. I think a couple of my friends have done the whole thing, but it's just, it's not worth it because you, the level of skating, like you, everyone becomes worse after you're exhausted, you know. And like, okay. unless you had legs of steel and you did it every single day, I don't think you'd actually be okay. able to make it down. Yeah, going 90 miles an hour is very limiting uh, on a skateboard. Um, I prefer to go anywhere from 20 to 55 miles an hour. Uh, it's a lot more comfortable, and the margin of error is a lot. Uh, it's a lot smaller. You say fifty-five and like that's like I'm just riding my bike down a hill, and it's all cool. <laughs> that's like highway much. speed. That's highway speed, people. Yeah, definitely, but yeah, you just get so used to it. I remember the first time I ever went fifty miles an hour. It's a very crazy feeling because you've never done it before, mm-hmm. and you just feel the speed all over your body there's wind whipping you your hair is moving you hear the sound of your wheels um spinning extremely mm-hmm. fast and i say every 10 miles an hour you notice a difference one or two miles an hour you're not going to notice but every jump 40 miles an hour feels way different than 30 feels way more different than 20 it's like and a it just weight progressively goes it's like up. a weight yeah. against your body like a g like a g force thing a little bit mm-hmm. but it's also just your awareness mm. of how fast you're going. You don't really notice five miles an hour, but a whole 10 mile an hour jump, you'd be like, oh yeah. <laughs> wow, that tree went really fast. Yeah, I yeah, get it. exactly. Okay. And uh, yeah, things just start coming at you really, really quickly. So I, I prefer to go anywhere from 20 to 55. I have a lot more freedom and ability to do what I want to do on a skateboard. Um, and would that be on straight roads or curvy roads? Um... Uh, if I'm just, I honestly don't like straight roads because it's boring, you know, you just go straight. Mm-hmm. So if I am skating a straight road, like why not make it 90 miles an hour, <laughs> make it more exciting. But yeah, what my perfect road is really long, has tons of switchbacks mm. and varying swoops, lots of banking and perfect pavement. And, uh, so you is touch this- 60 if you want, or you can go as slow as you want. 
We can do whatever you want. When you're doing this, are you using your hand? Like you're crouched down, right? So that you're really mm-hmm. close to the board. You're kind of like one with it. Are you using your hands too? Uh, yeah, there's certain styles of skateboarding. Um, within the last five to eight years, standing up entirely mm-hmm. and not using your hands is more difficult um, because it's just all leg strength. Mm-hmm. Also looks kind of stylish. Also, the consequence of falling from standing is a lot worse than falling from crouch down. Mm-hmm. Um, but my favorite way to skate is to get as low as possible, put your hands on the ground, mm-hmm. and kind of maneuver the corners using your hands as kind of balancing. And uh, maybe doing a little bit, a couple stand-up slides. For the most part, my favorite way to skate is with my hands on the ground doing big controlled slides. It's, it's um, so beautiful to watch. I mean, you have so many great videos out there of what you're doing. Um, how do you get those videos? Is this a, gro- a GoPro situation? Is this what, like, because that's totally what I would do. It's definitely not a GoPro situation. <laughs> um, it's funny because that word has kind of become synonymous or ubiquitous with uh, action sports. GoPros are fun because they're portable, they're durable, they're easy to use, but you kind of sacrifice quality when you're using mm-hmm. a camera like that. Um, my, I like to film with like, uh, high quality DSLRs or Sony cameras. And my preferred method of filming is to strap the camera onto the hood of a car, (laughs) uh, with a suction mount. And basically you have someone behind the wheel that you trust that knows about skateboarding and knows, um, basically how I'm going to slow down. Uh, what it looks like if I'm going to fall and understands just the dangers of filming in general. And it's a really nice way to film because the car is going the same speed as the skater. So everything else around you blurs Mm -hmm. and it gives you, um, basically you can see the speed for yourself. You feel like um, you're right there. You do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it feels like you're almost skating right behind. Right. I almost get a cramp. Like I almost get yeah. leg cramps just being yeah. watching. Yeah. Most <laughs> totally people, kidding. yeah, most people, when the videos go viral, they're like, oh, the skating's cool, but like props to the filmer for being able to <laughs> skate with a camera. And nine times out of 10, it's a, it's a camera on a car. And people just assume because there's a skateboarder. They're like, uh-huh. oh, there must be a skateboarder filming him. <laughs> and a couple of my friends actually do hold the camera while skating. And it takes way more skill than doing a follow car. And there's also a lot more danger involved because you're holding a very expensive piece of equipment. Right. And you're trying to skateboard as fast as someone showing off for the camera. And you're also trying to make the footage not nauseating. It has mm-hmm. to be very still. And so... uh that's it's really insane. impressive. That's almost insane. Yeah, yeah absolutely ridiculous. Um, I hate doing it. I, w- I avoid it at all costs. At least strap um, it to yourself instead of yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, my friend, it. my friend Tom will do it. He'll put his camera strap on and he'll take pictures, uh-huh. which is a little bit more reasonable because the camera isn't always on. All right. But um, for example, they make like a gimbals or a steady cams that you hold with two hands. Mm-hmm that use motors and gyroscopes to like keep the camera steady. And some of my friends film with those going downhill, which are wickedly expensive, really heavy. 
and they limit your ability to use your arms to balance. So it's kind of like a ludicrous way. Right. If skating wasn't hard enough, you just add this insane element. I know. That's what I was going to say. You're going that fast already, and you you yeah. know you want to like survive, and now you're focusing on something that's in your hand that's not moving. You know exactly. That's crazy. So follow car. That's a pretty high tech term for that, huh? That's definitely. <laughs> I love that. It's got a little bit of a like uh, cop element to it too, you know. <laughs> I hope car. there's not cops. I hate dealing with cops. <laughs> so do you get do do you ever get in like is that just okay to go doing that anywhere on any road or do they not really do they frown upon that the police and the people? Sorry, what? Sorry, one more time. Oh, so like when you're out skating and filming, do do you ever get in trouble? I mean, do police ever kind of go definitely? Hey? Oh, okay, um, way more than I would like to. Um, California is a really liberal state mm-hmm. and, um, you would think that there would be a lot of support for skateboarding, which there is, but my form of skateboarding, you have to take advantage of a public space, mm. a road, mm-hmm. and you basically repurpose it for whatever you're trying to do. Uh, traditional skateboarding used to be in the streets, mm-hmm. but then... People didn't like it, you know, they didn't want defacement of property, so they built skate parks for people, a nice, safe, enclosed space for you to enjoy skateboarding. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, there's nothing like that it would, that exists for us because to build a road costs millions of dollars mm-hmm. and uh, no one's willing to do it because they're not going to see a return of investment. Right. So I have to go into a public space and um, do this crazy thing which makes people either really happy mm-hmm. or very angry. And when people see it, they'll sometimes call the police. Uh-huh. And it honestly comes down to the temperament of the police officer. <laughs> um, sometimes yeah. you'll meet police officers and it's, oh, I used to skate back in the day. Like, can't believe you guys are doing this. This is awesome. Um, finish up <laughs> your video. Or sometimes they'll come out and put you in handcuffs. This uh, has happened? Confiscate, yep. Confiscate your board. Oh, yikes. Uh, try to give you an absurd ticket that doesn't exist. Um, and then sometimes it's in between. Like, yeah. hey, I'm sorry. You guys can't do this here. I'm not going to re- give you guys a ticket. Just please get out of here and don't let me see you here again. So it's been more so, than three times since you have three examples. <laughs> oh, I've been dozens. <laughs> I'd say dozens of times. <laughs> Okay, when you do the when you are on the roads like that, do you have like a friend at the top and at the bottom like blocking traffic, or do you are are you actually at the risk of people driving up the road while you're doing that? Yeah, it's definitely um, the majority of the time my life is in the hands of the motorists on the road. Oh my gosh! But you're um, you're as daring as these cyclists on the California (laughs) roads out there. Oh yeah. But um, that's the thing is like, it's just as dangerous as riding a motorcycle. Yeah. If not, maybe a little bit less because you don't have this giant clunky piece of metal that can pin you to the ground or hurt you. But um, basically, yeah, our lives are in the hands of the motorists. Oh, wow. Because I mean, so, it's hard to see you, I would think, because you're so low to the ground. But if you have a yeah, follow car, at least they see that. Exactly. And sometimes I wear bright clothing or reflective mm-hmm. clothing and... Also, on some of the roads that we do this on, mm-hmm. um, motorcyclists love the same roads. Road cyclists absolutely love the same uh-huh. roads. So people driving on these roads uh, usually keep an eye out for motorcyclists and cyclists. Yeah. 
And as long as they do the same things they do to protect them, we'll be absolutely fine. Because I never want to leave my side of the lane unless I can see ahead that mm-hmm. there's no one in the road. And I would expect that the uh, motorists would follow the same set of rules. <laughs> we hope, right? Mm-hmm. So you were recently, was it recently in Hawaii filming? Uh, yeah, that was in February. Okay, so not so um, recently, but still. Yeah, this not year. so recently. Yeah, uh, in the grand scheme of time, very recently. Um, yeah, <laughs> Thank we you for putting went, that in perspective. <laughs> no problem, yeah. Um, we went to the Big Island, uh-huh. and um, no one had really filmed there before. Most of the downhill skateboard filming has occurred on Maui, oh, and okay. there's some beautiful roads there. And I've never gotten to skate them, but I've watched many videos. And some of the legends of, of downhill skateboarding have lived on Maui and skated there at one point in time. Um, so I had always wanted to go to Maui. I didn't know really know anything about Hawaii or any of the islands. Um, but the company arrived for Prism Skate Co. Mm-hmm. Um, decided to fly me and a couple of my good friends and other people on the team, along with two videographers, to the big island, which nice. is the youngest island, and it is still volcanic. Ah. So it's got this mysterious volcanic element to it. And, um, yeah, absolutely beautiful, astonishing landscape. Um, I have never seen, I've seen volcanic, uh, uh, landscape in Oregon, but, uh, none that was this young. Mm -hmm. And basically Mm -hmm. no matter where you look, nothing's flat. The whole Island is sloped and it's very deceiving and it makes for some really cool uh, road construction. Um, very steep roads um, in just the most beautiful environment. So it makes filming really easy and beautiful. Kind of like being in another world or something. Exactly. Yeah. And you're just so far from everything. You're in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Mm-hmm. It's just like you're so far from everything. But well, these roads yeah. are just paved beautifully. And the light, the light there. Yeah. Every, every, you know, video or picture I see from Hawaii, it's like, really? The light's like that all the time? It seems like it. Is it <laughs> the reflection of the volcanic matter makes that light? I'm not really sure what it is, but it's always beautiful. It's a little bit of that, and it's a little bit of our videographers just mm-hmm. choosing the right time to film. Because oh, if you film yeah. during noon, stuff looks, the light looks soft and it looks kind of bad. Mm-hmm. But they've got an eye for it. They also put gradients and stuff, yeah. you know. I just mean anybody like uh, that one family I showed you on Instagram from Hawaii. Like every, I guess they're just doing all their photography at, you know, dawn and dusk, which are the best times of day. Right. So I know I've got their number. I figured it out. Okay. (laughs) So, um, so you are not one of the legends yet. Are you, you seem like a legend of, of skateboarding, downhill skateboarding. I know it sounds kind of, uh, I don't know, pretentious to say that. And I kind of cringe if I was Sorry. to utter those words. And if and if my skate pals heard me claim myself <laughs> to be a legend of skateboarding, uh, I'd probably hate myself. Okay, so you're but, not a um, legend. You're just, just kind of cool. <laughs> I'm not a legend, but there's one video I've made in particular that I'm extremely proud of. Okay. And has kind of inspired so many people all over the world. And, um, it's, it's just an incredible video of me skating down a highway in Colombia 
in Medellin and I pass something like 40 cars all the way down. I rub my hand on the side of an 18 wheeler just for fun. Oh my um, gosh. And it's just a really crazy video. And whenever I go to skate events, mm-hmm. someone comes up to me and says, man, that run in Columbia was the most insane thing I've ever seen in skateboarding. Like no one's made a video that sick. Okay. Or I someone will come that. and tell me and say, Hey, like I was sitting on the edge of my seat the whole time with that video. That was unbelievable. Mm. Um, so I'm not a legend by any means, but I feel like the videos I've I've made have had a lasting impact on skaters. Mm. And the videos I used to watch growing up, I'm now I've switched positions. Mm. I was the observer before mm. when I was younger, and now I'm the person who who's in the videos inspiring people to go out and skate and to buy boards and to travel the world and skate crazy roads and get better and better. So yeah, you've been all over the world skating. Like, what have been some of your aside from the Columbia one? What have been some of your favorite spots to go and what roads? Like, what where were you? Um, so Columbia was a big deal. Uh, Hawaii was also unbelievable. Um, there's great roads to skate in Canada, um, California, North Carolina, Oregon, Washington, uh, Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico. Um, I have not traveled around as much as I'd like. I was supposed to go to Europe this year and skate in Italy and Spain. Mm. And those are where some of the really crazy roads are like in the Alps. But my goal is I really want to skate in Japan and like Okinawa. Yeah. They have unbelievable mountain terrain there and lots of money to pour into infrastructure to build some crazy roads. So when is this going to happen? What? Ha- why not? Why didn't you make it to Italy? Um. So the skateboard industry has uh, nearly collapsed in the last two and a half, three years. Um, budgets are just slashed. Ah. Oh. Workforce is being laid off. Um. There's just no money in skateboarding. Um, well, that's not fair. Skateboarding <laughs> is awesome. We need, is, that. Is, we need to revive that. We need to revive that. There's a there's a good quote. It's like skateboarding doesn't owe you shit, <laughs> which is entirely true because I have a hard time coping with it because I do feel like what I do is valuable mm-hmm. and it's inspiring to other people and myself. But in the reality, it doesn't owe you anything at all. Mm-hmm. It's all what you do, and you always got to look at it in that perspective. Yeah, but sometimes you have to do those things. Even if it's not like a sponsored gig, you know, just to be for your own personal quest. Exactly. Yeah. So you'll but get yeah, there, so right? Think, Japan. I'm, I'm looking for an opportunity to sell out as soon as possible. I'll <laughs> sell out to Walmart. I'll get a, a Walmart tattoo if it means I can go skate all over a the world. Walmart tattoo. No. Uh, I'm telling you, I'm desperate to do these things that I want to do and see the world um, through the scope of skateboarding. <laughs> Walmart. So we heard it here first. So when you're like, we've got the videographer, the follow car, watching you get your tattoo of Walmart somewhere on your body while you're going down it. I'll do it on my face. <laughs> if it means I can travel. 
<laughs> Walmart on your face? Come on. <laughs> that's just that's just too far. I can't even have this conversation. Can't even do it. <laughs> so hey, um again, back to modern technology. While we were while you were telling that amazing Walmart story, I quick messaged Chani, who's my virtual assistant for the show. She's uh, over in Portugal right now. And nice. she was so excited when I, and like well, this came so fast. So I didn't have time to get uh, in touch with her ahead of time. So um, I just messaged her and she messaged back. She has two questions for you. You ready for them? Yeah. All right. Fire away. First, okay. So she's a super fan of borders, first of all. So nice. the fact that she's not on this call right now, I think is probably making her a little like, man, how did that not happen? Um, but uh, what was your, she wants to know what your first board was. Oh, okay. My first board uh, was from a company called Loaded. Okay. Um, it's probably the biggest longboard company besides Sector 9. When I started skating back in like 2007, 2008, 2009, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was a board that's discontinued now. It's called the Loaded Fish, and it was a really goofy board that's actually really terrible. Um <laughs> It's it's shaped like a fish, um, like a Swedish fish, if you can imagine. Totally. Like kind of oval with like a triangle tail. Yeah. And there's like a foam pad on the tail uh -huh. that like makes the tail better, but it's really just ugly and gross because it's <laughs> foam. And yeah, I just saw all these videos um, from Loaded and those videos got me into skating. And I was oh. like, I have to have a Loaded board. So nice. I bought a Loaded board with Randall trucks and orangutan wheels. And I loved that thing. I skated so much. That's the board I learned how to slide on. Um, that and, was her yeah. next question. See, she does. She actually, I think, is a skateboarder as well. So, um, he, yeah, she asked if you do longboard sliding. Uh, Definitely. And if you've also worked on tricks and longboard dancing, I saw a video of some a girl, like a young girl, like teenage girl, longboard dancing for miles. It seemed like just like you know eating an ice cream or something like that, dancing <laughs> on her longboard through a crowd. <laughs> Definitely. I started longboard dancing. Um, you started it? The, like you invented yeah. no, it? No, 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 no. Oh. <laughs> no, that's, that's how I started in longboarding. Okay. Was I was watching all these videos, uh, Loaded primarily focused. What was good about Loaded is that their videos they made made it look like anyone could do it. Mm -hmm. The videos I make now are not like that. People no. are like, oh, that's terrifying. I'm never going to do that. <laughs> um, so they made videos that just made skating or longboarding look really fun and accessible and easy. And so I started doing like longboard dancing, pushing around. And then as soon as I learned how to slide, I kind of moved away from longboard dancing because I thought it was kind of lame. <laughs> but... Um, it's huge now. There's people, it's really big in South Korea. It's really big in Paris and Germany. And I definitely have respect for it um, because it does take skill and balance and grace. Mm -hmm. And I've met some really good longboard dancers in my day. But it's just, I'm terrible at it now. Really? Um, really? If I had, if, yeah, uh, well, I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty terrible. The, people, <laughs> the things people do now with right. longboard dancing, like there's, it would take me, I'd have to sit there in a parking lot for a week to learn that. And mm -hmm. that's what they did. Right. And now they, that's all they do. Like if I took one of those longboard dancers to a mountain pass, 
they would be like, oh, no, I'm not doing this. Yeah, well, it's <laughs> like, it's it's other like way having, around. Yeah, it's like having a soccer player, like a football player going to the soccer field. They just keep running yeah. at all the at the ball, which is the like you don't do that because the ball is going to be gone by the time you get there. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's, it, I've seen that. It's funny. <laughs> it's actually pretty yeah. entertaining. <laughs> okay. So those were that was the extent of her questions. And I'm sure she'll be really happy that you answered those. So thank you for that on no Shani's behalf. All right. Um, what else? Let's see here. So what else do you want people to know about longboarding? Like what is it that um, makes it your passion? Is it is it just pushing the end? Like, well, I'll let you answer it. I'm going to answer it for you. Um, I just want people to know that we're in, we're in control. Hmm. Um, yeah, a lot of people think we're very stupid, <laughs> uh, think that we're ignorant and selfish. Um, and I just want people to know that I've been doing this for a very long time and dying by the hands of a, a motorist is the last thing I would want to happen. Mm-hmm. And also, it's a lot easier than it looks to skate. And nine years ago, I was just pushing down the street. And now I'm riding my skateboard down the most unbelievable roads in the world with the best people in the sport. And um, dreams are a lot more achievable than you think. And I believe the way I achieved my dream was through just sheer obsession. Um, It was all I did and all I thought about for like five years. Wow. Like it was literally, I would just watch videos all day long. I get kicked out of the library in high school for watching <laughs> skate videos. Um, it's just all I would do. How and, much do you think that played into you becoming so good at it? Like, I always wonder about that. Okay. So I think there, the videos really help create the muscle memory or the brain, like the brain pathways. Mm-hmm. it's kind of Definitely. like forced visualization. Yes. Um, yeah, I would just watch videos. Um, I guess I emulated my style off one skater in particular named Everin Ozan. Mm-hmm. Um, I would watch his videos and the way he skated, I was like, man, that's absolutely mm-hmm. insane. At first I was like, I'm never going to be able to skate like that. But then it stayed in my mind kind of subconsciously. And then as I got better and better and better, I found he skates like that, not only because that's a style, but it's just a good way to skate. Mm. And then you kind of figure it out for yourself, mm-hmm. how much you should slide in a corner, um, how to take a good line. But the most uh, influential in building part of my skateboarding happened for me just skating with professionals. Mm. Like, um, when I first moved to California, I was dog shit at skating in comparison to now. And, uh, it really changed when I was able to skate down a hill and first person account sees the way someone actually skates and then it kind of rubs off on you mm-hmm. and you want to skate, you try to keep up with them. So you try to go faster yeah. and you're like, Oh, I want to keep watching them skate. And it's nice when you skate behind someone because you see where they slide mm-hmm. and you're like, Oh, I need to slide there. Mm-hmm. And especially if someone has skated the road dozens of times, they know it way better than you do. Oh, for sure. And then you learn how to do it. It's like following someone down a ski mountain right. that knows how to navigate it really well. Well, that's what I was going to say. Unfortunately, because of the specifically because of the road situation, 
skateboarding doesn't get the same credibility as like surfing or skiing because you know what I mean? And that doesn't seem fair because it's an, yeah. it's just as challenging of a sport. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's not even swept out of the rug because no one even knows no one, no mm-hmm. one's doing the sweeping. It's just really underground, mm-hmm. extremely underground sport. Like everyone around me on campus right now probably has no idea what it is. Maybe they've seen one video, Really, but for the most part, People just have no idea what it is. Like people see people pushing longboards down the street, or see, see people doing kickflips in a skate park, but they mm-hmm. never like, oh, people bomb down mountain roads and do slides, and uh, you know, people just have no idea about it. Um, yeah, hmm. it used to be in the X Games in 1998 to 2001, um, but that was just a matter of connections. The best downhill skateboarder at the time, his father worked for NBC. Mm-hmm. And he was like a big wig that was able to get downhill skateboarding featured in the X Games. But then people just weren't good. It was mm-hmm. boring to watch. The race courses were terrible. Level skill wasn't there. So it kind of died out. And then in 2005, kind of picked up again in Europe, all over the world. Then it kind of died out again. 2010, huge boom of industry, way mm-hmm. more skaters, way more money opportunity Mm -hmm. but then now five years later it's crashing and it's way less races all over the world way less events way less money um i think we need to create a movement we need to create a movement um you know skateboarders should have their place too so i think we should get them in the olympics what do you think about that there i've heard rumors (laughs) they have um, luge why can't they mm -hmm. have skateboarders yeah there's rumors that uh, Olympic organizers have been talking to some of the higher up racers in the sport um, because the next Olympic game, Summer Olympics Games, is in Los Angeles. Oh, and perfect. there's some of the best roads to skate in Malibu. Right, but I really doubt it's going to happen because yeah. the logistics required for that is absolutely insane. And skiing has been around for probably like a hundred years, mm-hmm. and there's just so much that exists that supports its ability to be in the Olympics this sport just not so much um our racing federation the idf mm-hmm. it's great but it's just like it is so small compared to like another extreme sport like mountain biking like downhill mountain biking racing there's so much money in it there's tons mm-hmm. of sponsors there's events all over the world it's kind of like that with downhill skating but it's just way smaller and i just don't think they can do it on an olympic scale it's kind of one of those things that's harder to watch. You know what I mean? Because, yeah, you know what I mean? It's I hard see. to like get an audience or spectators yeah. to watch it. Cause but it's like it's in my world. perfect, in my perfect world, if I designed the course, uh-huh. it would be way exciting to watch. <laughs> People would be hooked. It'd be just like NASCAR yeah. or, or I don't know if oh, you ever watch yeah. like Moto, Moto GP. Yeah. Um, it's like racing is almost identical to Moto GP, other than the fact that we don't have like, engines and are going 200 miles an hour uh-huh. but um the tactics used and the general appearance and excitement uh, rivals moto gp can you do it in a fixed space like that though or do you like do you have to have a really long like mile or longer hill it just depends um i don't know my perfect course would probably be a mile and a half to three miles long okay uh, so that's where it's hard to like get spectators around that entire 
Yeah, um, I guess. I guess it'd be pretty hard because that's they'd have to build a stadium for it. Right. You know? Yeah. It needs to happen, though. I think, well, it's going to be out there. We'll just keep, like, backbraining it until the ideas come forward. Exactly. <laughs> so was there someone, uh, when you were learning, like, a specific person that kind of took you under their wing and taught you things? Uh, yeah, when I was living on the East Coast, um, there's a very small Rhode Island manufacturer called Clutch Skateboards. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, now, so a little bit confusing. It's called Soda Factory as a whole. Okay. And it's kind of like three little sub companies. Clutch, which makes downhill boards, Candy Sphinx, which makes cruiser boards, and Aerotica, which makes like fancy composite carbon fiber hemp bamboo boards oh, that wow. are either cruisers or downhill. And this is Those on the is East re- Coast. It sounds really California. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's it's uh, based out of Bristol, Rhode Island. This guy named Russ Owen. Um, would make these beautiful skateboards and he had these riders who rode for him that lived in Rhode Island. Uh, their names are Max Dubler, Alex Newton and Jeremy Ross. Mm-hmm. And when I had first started skating, uh, they were in some of the videos that I was watching. And then I learned like, Oh my God, they're, they're from Rhode Island. Oh. Like no way. <laughs> so then I would kind of like, I met them once super randomly just on the street and I like fanboyed them super hard <laughs> and um, Alex Newton uh, kind of would pick me up from my house in his crusty Volvo he'd be like chain smoking cigarettes and, and you were blasting. how old at this point I was like 15 <laughs> oh, and then he would like make me smoke weed he'd be he like would. all right we're gonna we're gonna go skate <laughs> and I was like okay and we'd go we'd go skate these hills all over Providence and be in really sketchy places, doing uh-huh. sketchy things. And he never wore a helmet unless he was going really fast. So he was a, kind of a bad influence, but I always wore my helmet because I knew it was dumb not to. I'm proud. But, uh, As a mom, I'm proud. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> he would, uh, yeah, he would just, he was really good at skating at the time. Mm-hmm. Like he was probably one of the best skaters in the country at that mm. very specific time in like 2010, 2011. And so I was just able to hang out with him and skate with him and he would, he would never teach me anything because he was just super jaded. He's like the epitome of us, like a just a skateboarder, you know, just like doing it. Mm-hmm. And he's just really good at being an asshole. <laughs> and um, like, I if I asked him a question, he would be like, "Just shut up and do it." And so, like, it's not like he took me under the wing and mentored. I would just kind of watch him skate and mm-hmm. figure it out, and we would have a lot of fun together. And so, yeah, those guys kind of like got me into skating, and then. I went to a skateboard event in Boston. They have these things on the East Coast and everywhere called slide jams. Okay. Where everyone will just meet at a hill and you just skate for a couple hours and every like maybe there'll be a judge and be like, oh, this person gets first place because they were they were throwing down the hardest, you know. Mm-hmm. And I went to a slide jam at this guy named Dane Weber, um, became friends with him skated with him quite a bit and then he got an, a job offer from that company that sold me my first longboard and he went and worked for them and then when he was living in california he was like you have to come visit me you can stay on my couch i'll take you out to all the crazy hills so then i went and visited and absolutely fell in love with california and malibu mm. and just got destroyed on all the roads because i've <laughs> never skated a mountain road like that before um so he kind of like ushered me into the the downhill scene and then I went back to the East Coast and was kind of driven crazy because all the hills I skated, I would have to walk up. Mm-hmm. And 
it was just like, man, I need to get out to California. I need to get out to California. And then as soon as I graduated high school, um, took a year off school, um, just lived in LA and just all I did was skate and skate with all the pros I saw in the videos. And then I started to get a lot better. And, um, yeah, it was just, it's all a result of me watching videos and all meeting the people and, and connections. That's yeah. awesome though. So what did you do? You know how like in LA, all the people that want to be, um, actors are working in restaurants to fund their acting. What did you do before you got sponsored? Uh, I was working in restaurants and I still work in restaurants. Nice. There's so um, many good ones there. There's so many great restaurants. So definitely. Good. Yeah. That's and really good. Yeah. I love working in restaurants cause I love to steal food <laughs> because you're, be- and we all you're being that. exploited, you know, <laughs> you might as well get your fair share. <laughs> and I would take co I lived in like a grungy skate house with a bunch of other skaters. And I would always bring home food and everyone would be so happy. Oh, I bet. That, that's that's yeah. that's how to make friends when you're exactly. in college or about to go in college is have food. Mm-hmm. That's like the number one yeah. way. Well, yeah. maybe not the number one, but it's a really <laughs> good way. <laughs> okay, so are you taking anybody under your wing right now that you're sort of bringing up? Um, no, no, not at all. Not at all. I, I did meet someone on campus. I was in the dining hall with my longboard. I was eating by myself. And someone came up to me and was like, hey, are you Cooper? And I was like, yeah. And I was like, what's up? And he was like, man, I love watching your videos. Like, I did a double take on your board and then looked up at you and I realized it was you. And he was telling me that he's kind of getting into skating and he skates around Santa Cruz and Mm -hmm. we exchange numbers. So it's not like I'm taking him under my wing, but Mm -hmm. it's just like I'll probably skate with him and make him and his friends pretty happy Mm -hmm. because they've seen the videos I'm in and... They see the level I skate at, and they kind of want to emulate it. I was going to say, how did that feel? Does that happen to you a lot, huh? that people come up? Definitely and... not. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> only at skate events. Okay, Like, I've right, never been in right. an airport and been noticed or been in anywhere else. That's at skate events, cool. skate events, people will come up and be like, oh, Cooper, the video's sick, blah, 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 blah. But right. this is the first time I think it's happened in an environment that wasn't skateboard-related. Like, I was just in the cafeteria at school you're you know? famous it's happening <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i suppose it Except, wouldn't happen at all places but i guess with a bunch of college students it's more likely right yeah it's just <laughs> uh my fame is the demographic is like 14 year old boys so <laughs> so you need to hang out at middle school <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny so do you play video games too yes Does that go hand in hand definitely not hand in hand okay I wish there was a downhill skateboarding video game. Why don't you make and, uh, one? Because uh, it would flop. I don't know. And <laughs> you had to design a game. It sounds terrible. Again, um, we have so many good ideas. If anyone's listening with money that can do things, we've got <laughs> so many good ideas here. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I used to play video games a lot in high school. My mom made sure I never had a gaming console. Which was a good thing because I probably would have been on it all the time. Mm-hmm. But it was a bad thing because when I would go over to my friends' houses who did have Xboxes, uh-huh. <laughs> I would play them until like four in the morning. <laughs> and now, I don't know, it's weird. Because you're kind of like skateboarding and risking your life, it's very intense. Uh-huh. I only like video games that are extremely intense and that have consequence. Okay. Like... uh there's this video game I would play called Diablo, 
Mm. And um, there's a mode you can put it on called hardcore mode. And basically in softcore mode, you can play your character, you log 30, 40, 50, 60 hours into it. And if you die, you just respawn. Mm -hmm. But in hardcore mode, if you die, your character gets deleted. (laughs) And you have to start all over. It's the most frustrating thing ever. But it makes those really intense moments when you think you're going to die, your heart starts racing and you start freaking out. And that's just the closest thing that I can come to that's like (laughs) similar to skating when I have near-death experiences skateboarding. Oh, wow. It's like, yeah, it's almost like a, it's almost more intense in the video game because my brain kicks into autopilot Mm -hmm. and goes into survival mode. Mm -hmm. And part of that survival mode is shutting off the part of your brain that makes you panic. But when you're just playing a video game, you know, the panic thing is still firing and you understand the consequences of you losing 60 hours of your life. Uh-huh dying so it's like it's kind of funny it's like more intense in the video games you get more anxiety over that than like 90 like 90 90 miles an hour down a hill that's awesome yeah exactly (laughs) that's like me i was playing this one it's like where two people two well actually two super freaky characters have like a throwdown it's a video game that my kids have that i'm sure you know the name of what is it called i can't think of it Like, like you get different characters and they go in and they just fight to the death you know, Mortal Kombat. Yes, or... that one. Yeah. Yes. So I was playing that, and <coughs> I like couldn't handle the anxiety I felt <laughs> of trying no, to survive. I'm like, okay, it's three definitely times, not I'm for out. everyone, you know. <laughs> yeah, not for me. Apparently, I've got that thing where um, my brain doesn't shut down that part that I'm going to die, and I was yeah. really panicking. <laughs> exactly. And, and I'm killing my children at the same time, right, right? So there was this whole, like, parent thing and then video game thing. So, yeah, not for me. Okay, so uh, is it getting – no, what time is it there? It's, like, 4, so it's still light. It's dark here. No, it's – yeah, it's yep. 4. Um, what is your next thing? Like, is there something else that you're really looking at? Like, wow, that's a big challenge I want to go after, whether it's skateboarding or not? Um, next big thing. I don't know. I guess just graduate – from college that's good a big grades. thing that's an important thing um but also like i would say within the last year the i haven't been skating as much as i'd like um but that's because i've just been finding other things i really like to do and other ways to occupy my time like what um i don't know just like traveling mm-hmm. or hanging out with significant others oh or, yeah that happens <laughs> Um, <laughs> time gets know, sucked out of your life really fast exactly yeah. um, I don't know just kind of spending my time doing other things Yeah. anything whatever it may be because mm-hmm. like I said it was obsession that brought me here and now the obsession has kind of dwindled mm-hmm. um, until the next one that comes just, along yeah exactly because I think that's um, a characteristic you know what I mean like if you if you become obsessed about one thing and and as that wanes, there will be another one because that's just a character. Like that's my character. I I go all in on things, and then it mm-hmm. runs its course, and then I'm on the next thing. Yeah, I say the thing I'm most obsessed with now is just um, just like film and uh, comedy. Hmm. I don't know. I just I really like watching movies, uh, dissecting movies. And then also, I've just I'm obsessed with a lot of Los Angeles based comedians. Really? And Who do you like? Um, well, a couple. Uh, I like Bill Burr. I like Hannibal Buress. 
I like Nick Kroll. I like Tim Heidecker, Eric Wareheim. <laughs> That's like six already. That was really yeah. good. You were I thought yeah. I was gonna put you on the spot and you just like no. jammed him up. <laughs> yeah, I got it. Do you um, think you'll be a comedian? Is that something that you want to do or you just appreciate the art? Maybe. I don't know. I always have really funny thoughts in my head and I write them <laughs> down on my phone. And okay. so I have quite a bit of material, but I just know ah. going up on an open mic is gonna be the most terrifying thing and everyone always fails. And uh, maybe at one point in my life, here in Santa Cruz, there's lots of open mics. Yeah, you, maybe I'll go try my yeah. um, my material. But that's the uh, best thing when it's that scary. That's the best time to go. That like just when you definitely. went down your first hill, like how scary was yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love it was that. it was pretty pretty terrifying. But it's just like you only fail yourself when you right. do that. Right. But when you're when you're standing in front of a bunch of people, it's like <laughs> eh, they're just people. They'll get over yeah. it. You know what I mean? It, it's just the first time. And, it, exactly. and, and it's like people go home and they'll forget about it. But totally. In in the moment, it's terrifying. Um, have you ever heard? Yeah. Of, have you heard of, ever heard of the moth? The, the moth? moth. Yeah, the moth. Uh, you'll have to Google it. Okay, so it's this thing. I think it's by NPR, where you can go. They have these um, challenges. Basically, they schedule them all over the country, and you, it's in bigger cities. And you go there, and you have a five minute thing. You go up and say on the theme, whatever the theme is of that night. And I've never done it, but I heard about it and I want to do it. But anyway, I've listened to a few of them. They have like a podcast uh, site and all that too. And you should check it out because it can be really funny. You can do it, the theme, whatever it is, with uh, with humor. And what's cool about it is that you get to practice it really hard before you go in. And you are limited to that time. But you can get your whole timing down so well. And people just quietly you know, they listen. It's not like you're going to have hecklers or something like that. Might be a way yes. to break the ice. Yeah. Yeah, perhaps. Uh-huh. I want to see it happen. It'll be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they'll have a theme of extreme sports. Imagine that, right? That would be great. <laughs> yeah. So it's pretty cool. But it's a great way to practice. So I'm excited, though, to see this next thing when you bust through the fear of um, standing up for doing your comedy, wherever that is. Maybe. I don't know. I also feel like maybe I'm more interested in comedy writing. Oh, um, that's good, too. Yeah. That's good stuff. Because... I have kind of good improv- improvisational skills, mm-hmm. um, but also like I feel like if someone came to me with a concept, I'd be able to fill the, fill the mm. blanks really well, and I, I think I pride myself in that ability. Um, so I think comedy writing is more what I'm interested in. That sounds fun. Um, yeah, stuff like that. And then like- also I guess a skate-related goal would be just to get more people into skateboarding. Yeah, like it would be awesome if it was as normalized as when I used to take ski lessons when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I could do that. I wish I could teach kids how to skateboard. You can in a safe environment. You can. Yeah, I can, but uh-huh. it's just in not in a safe environment. Right. Not That's the true. way that I envision right. it. But it's cool that you have that out there because um, even saying that out loud, you know makes people think about, hey, we should do more of this or we should check this out or learn this. I hope it comes back. I hope the pendulum swings back the other way for skateboarding. Oh, it definitely will. But um, it's not looking promising right now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Too many Chinese uh, manufacturers and distributors Uh cutting away at our profit margins. Yeah, but you know what's so... And money controls everything. Yeah, but still, um, you want the craft, like the... 
mastercrafted skateboards that are done beautifully. Just exactly. Like, yeah, so that's what they need. That's what they're they're, they're really good at reverse engineering, though. It's really? scary. Oh. Yeah, they've. It's Damn. comparable now. At least boards and trucks are comparable. Hmm. Wheels are getting there. Urethane chemistry is really hard to uh, to explore and understand mm-hmm. because urethane is in everything. There's urethane in airplanes. There's urethane in, I don't know, vacuum cleaners and hmm. everything. And the way scientists have manipulated urethane has been very specific for like industrial purposes. To approach a urethane chemist and be like, hey, I want you to make urethane that slides good on smooth pavement. Like they'll have no idea what, what you're huh, talking about. Really? So engineering urethane to be good for skateboarding is something that's taken skateboarders working very closely with urethane manufacturers. Hmm. And uh, China, Chinese wheels are okay, but they're not great. Hmm. And the wheel company I ride for, Powell Peralta, has the best urethane composition in the world. And that's... Uh, because of the close relationship they've had with skateboarders and chemists and being able to try whatever formulas they want and take them straight to a hill be like, oh, I like this, this, and this, or I don't like this and this. That's so cool, though. Did you get the opportunity to do that? Um, I've done lots of prototyping for wheels for different wheel companies, Mm -hmm. but um, as far as Pal Peralta goes, it's all in the hands of this guy named Kevin Reimer, Mm. who is... People say he's, well, I guess his track record shows for himself. He's won the most world championships in downhill skateboarding. Um, and he lives in Santa Barbara where Skate One is. Mm. And he works in the office. And he tells them to put this and this in the urethane. And then he'll take a box of wheels out to the sickest hills in Santa Barbara and skate them. Hmm. So he gets a nice hands-on development. That's a pretty good gig. I bet he gets to go to... Uh... Japan. <laughs> oh, yeah. Damn He's it. been all over. <laughs> so eventually he'll get bored with that. So maybe that's the let's reset your sights. I don't maybe. know. You'll do it, though. That It's so cool talking to you, though, and hearing about all this because it's so far out of what I've ever heard anything about. And you said that, right? When, when I reached out to you, you were like, oh, it's fun to talk to somebody who doesn't know anything about it because it's like a whole different perspective. Exactly. But I really, really want the listeners to check out your videos because they're just mind-boggling. Like, I see you doing that, and you can feel, like, I can feel the speed of it watching <laughs> the videos. And I think, oh, you know, I have to, like, it's almost like playing Mortal Kombat. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to crash. So, actually, I was watching the one you sent me today, and mm-hmm. at the very first part that I watched of it, I don't know if that was you or not, at the, actually, because I was watching it really quick, Um Hit, they hit the car. That's not how you oh, yeah. stop, right? Yeah, that that was Liam. He uh <laughs> yeah, he didn't slide enough and slid out and just like bumped into the back of a parked car <laughs> and we were all there, so we all started laughing. It's like the perfect intro for the video. Because it it's all yeah. this like glorious, like big scenes as the video is coming together and all of a sudden you see him going down the hill and then biff right into this car. Yeah. When he got right up, it didn't look like it hurt him, but that's not how you stop. Because you said people ask that. How do you stop when you're mm-hmm. going that fast? Yeah, it's just you have to drift the skateboard. You have to like kick it sideways. And oh, the okay. urethane starts grabbing the pavement and sliding. You can also uh, like put your foot on the ground. People call that foot braking. Or if you're going above 30 miles an hour, if you just put your arms up and catch more wind, it slows you down, but it's hmm. not going to stop you. 
Okay. So there's ways to control your speed and there's ways to get rid of all your speed. Depends on what you're comfortable with or uh. I think sliding's the most effective and coolest looking and it's mm-hmm. the most fun to do. So that's what I like to do. But there's been situations where I don't have any room to slide. Um, there's a skater on either side of me mm-hmm. and there's a car in the wrong lane and there's, you know, a wet patch. So uh. in a very split um, decision, you put your foot on the ground really hard and you slow down instead of sliding or um, maneuvering, you know. So when you're um, one last question, and then I'm going to let you go because I know we've been talking forever and you're still out in the woods. Um, <laughs> so how like so let's say you, like every time you like what percent of the times that you go out, do you have a crash? I'd say nowadays, mm-hmm. uh, 1%. Nice. That's good to hear because you're going fast a lot. But when <laughs> I was going fast and learning how to go fast, I would fall like 25 to 30% of the time. And it was wow. bad. Like I was getting so many scars, so much road rash, uh, so many sore joints and you know, it was bad. There's like, there's a period of time where I probably shouldn't have been skating those roads. And, but that's the thing is you have to fall really terribly hard dozens mm-hmm. and dozens of times for your body to be like, Hey, I'm never going to fall again. <laughs> and that's how I approach skating now is I try to skate within my limit, but still make it look cool and have fun and enjoy mm-hmm. it without brutally destroying myself. Yeah. Cause road rush hurts and it takes forever to heal. Definitely. And I've seen my friends rupture their kidneys, break oh their ribs, uh, almost sever their legs, uh, get run over by cars, have to be airlifted out, um, you know, almost die. And there has been downhill skaters that have died all over the world. Mm-hmm. And um, it happens, but not as often as these people would like to think mm. because it looks ludicrously dangerous. And it's often just a really terrible set of consequences that mm-hmm. leads to people getting very seriously injured. Because when you get to the level you're at, you're so self-aware that, it, yeah, it's got to be a complete freak accident for it to happen. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So um, I'm looking forward to coming out and visiting you on campus. I'm thinking I'll be out next week because I'll have had enough of winter here by then. So that's my plan. I hope they're okay with that. I yeah, know we just met yeah. and everything, but... <laughs> No, no, I'd love to meet you. That'd be Me- awesome. Meanwhile, um, while I go try to figure out how to fund that trip, um, how about if you tell people where they can find you so they can go look at all, up all your cool videos and everything? Awesome. Well, I guess my primary source would be my Instagram, mm-hmm. which would be at F underscore Cooper underscore D. And then if you wanted to watch my like full length videos, you can go on YouTube and just search my name, which is Cooper Darkea, D-A-R-Q-U-E-A. And I got tons of YouTube videos from all over the place. And um, if you want to ride the gear I ride, I have quite a few sponsors, uh, primarily Prism Skate Company. They're uh, based out of Santa Cruz, California. They make all sorts of boards ranging from beginner to the advanced downhill stuff, which I do. And then a truck company called Caliber Trucks. They make really awesome trucks also for any level of skating. Um, and then my wheel company, Pal Peralta, 
the fastest and longest lasting wheels in downhill skateboarding. And if you're looking to stay safe, there's a really awesome helmet company <laughs> I ride for called S1 Helmets. Um, they're based out of Southern California, and their helmets are the safest I've ever used, and they've saved me from fracturing my skull plenty of times. Good um, to know. Also, That's an endorsement. Yeah. No skull fractures. That's good. Yeah, and if you're if you're looking to get padded up and learn how to skate, I ride for a company called G Form. Um, hmm. They make pads that can slip under your clothes that are kind of low key. Um, you can't rely on them too hard, but as long as you're not doing anything super crazy, they will mm-hmm. definitely protect you and they're comfortable and they're easy to clean. Um, nice. And then if you're learning to slide with your hands down, I ride for a puck company called Ojum Pucks. That's based out of Los Angeles. They're bright yellow and they also last forever. And let's see, any more sponsors? I think that's all of them. Um, yeah. That's a lot of sponsors. sponsors. Holy cow. Is that usually how that goes? You get like every piece of every piece of equipment that you I try to. I would love to have a (laughs) oh, I have a clothing sponsor called Push Culture. Um they basically design like Kevlar pants that are like multi layered that are nice for downhill skating because if you fall you'll lose a lot less skin. Um but yeah, I really like a shoe sponsor, but Shoe companies kind of stray away from sponsoring downhill skaters for some reason. Okay, so we've got shoes and Walmart. That's what we're going after. Right yeah, now. I need shoes, Walmart, and weed sponsor. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm going to have a weed guy on the show. Should I try to connect you two? Definitely connect me to him. <laughs> I will do that. I have a lot of Instagram followers, so I've been trying to sell myself out. <laughs> will you please stop saying that? It sounds really fun. I'm so down. I okay. whore myself out for skateboarding. I hope your your uh, significant other is listening to this and hearing that <laughs> statement. Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, this has been so fun, Cooper. It's been great hearing all about what you do, and um, I will keep watching your videos. I can I can promise that. I can't help you with the sellout, though. <laughs> I don't have enough money to do that for you. <laughs> I'll figure it out. Don't okay. Worry. All right. Sounds good. Well, take care. Awesome. Okay, I think I was grinning through that entire interview, and I'm not sure if it was because he was holed up in the redwood forest talking to me, or just because of, I don't know, this really cool mix of articulate and adventurous. It was so much fun. And what I think was the most important message I took away with from him was just that reminder that when you see people who are doing something that looks like amazing, like you can't even imagine doing it, it's not like they just woke up one morning and did it. It took a really long time and they worked really hard at it. They had lots of mentors, they worked with lots of different people, and basically, in his case especially, he spent a lot of time out on the pavement. So that's what we need to do, people, to get that thing we want. So, are you following your passion, inspiring people, and willing to share your story? Then find me, because that's what I do. And remember, keep up with all the news by visiting glisteningparticles.com and signing up for the newsletter where you'll get the inside scoop on where I'll be wandering next, some guest updates, and the latest random acquaintance story. 
For up to the moment shenanigans, follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you see me post from down the road at your local diner, be sure to drop everything and come say hi, because I love to meet the listeners. Until next time, keep shining. Keep shining.